1: Welcome back uh, to the Seth Liebson Show. I am Seth. Alan Dershowitz is delayed just a bit. He'll be with us shortly. <clears throat> Stay tuned. I think the next segment, top of the next segment. So we'll get right to him. Obviously, the news of the day. Let's go to your calls. In the meantime, Keith is in Atlanta. 602 is your barrier to entry. Keith, how are things in Atlanta?
2: It's going well. Going well, uh, considering all things. Yeah. Um. You know, Seth, you think about it, Biden could look very presidential and put an end to this and really potentially end Donald Trump, too. If before Donald Trump gives his speech tonight, Biden goes on, I don't know, 30 minutes an hour before Trump gives his speech and says, let's put an end to this charade. Let's heal the country. And let's let this man live a peaceful retirement and let's get this beyond us. We have other issues to deal with in this nation. I give Donald Trump, his family and everyone associated with him a full pardon. And that's all I have to say.
1: Well, hold on a minute, Keith, because. Um, something I had said a while ago and I hadn't occurred to me until you brought it up again just now. Was that. I thought the smartest thing Joe Biden could do would be to issue a uh, general pardon of Donald Trump on all federal cases. Now, of course, this one isn't that. This one isn't a federal case, but it might go to a federal court. It could be. It could be escalated up to federal court because it involves federal claims. But it certainly might handle the special prosecutor. It might handle the Georgia Investigation, And I thought if Joe Biden did that so as to prove, yes, his point, uniter, let's get behind all this and let's move forward kind of thing. I thought that that would be about the biggest own of Donald Trump he could do, because now yeah. Donald Trump is somewhat indebted to Joe Biden. Plus, the idea of Donald Trump needing a pardon. It's its own, you know, negative in a sense, if you will, if you're following my line of thinking. Exactly. That he needed a pardon from Joe Biden, you know? Exactly. <laughs> that would be political jujitsu by Joe Biden that I think would be incomparably good for Joe Biden. Uh, absolutely right. And the Democratic Party. I Why they haven't done it yet. I mean, you and I are, I suppose, you know, smart, but we're not. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this had to have occurred to someone over there, right? Somewhere it had to have. There,
2: there is a big butt.
1: Yeah, I I have my butt too. And maybe there, it's the same one. Let's see if but we share is, a butt. Go ahead.
2: Yeah. Their butt is their hatred is yeah. so powerful yeah. Yeah. that their logic doesn't doesn't play anymore. They hate so much yeah. that they want end through hatred rather than the the, the through grace actually.
1: Well, I think you're right about that. I think there's another thing going on, too, and I can't prove it, but I think it had to have been going on. I don't think Alvin Bragg brings a case like this, and it really is a flimsy case. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you have Van Jones saying this is a small pebble and it's not even much of a pebble, when you have Van Jones saying that, um, this is a very flimsy case. Alvin Bragg could not really have done this without – some kind of political authorization from his higher-ups in the Democratic Party. I don't know who that would be if it would come down from the White House. More likely someone like Chuck Schumer, probably, or, you know, the New York Democratic congressional delegation. They had to have given a green light on this. I
2: I think it's more than that. I think that he's got money under the table from possibly Soros that's really said – you go ahead and take this fall, and I'll make sure you're compensated for this.
1: Could be. I mean, it, it very well could be. I, you know, I, the, there there will be, you know, the the most famous attorney in the country right now is Bragg, um, and you know, because he is engaging in a political prosecution that has the support of a lot of people, he will never be unemployable. Well, the way Republicans know. are. Did you notice I don't know if you saw this story, but one of uh, one of Donald Trump's uh, attorneys today had to quit his law firm in New York. Big, fancy, famous, maybe the oldest law firm in New York called Wallader, in New York to represent Donald Trump today. You know, Republican attorneys have a hard time finding jobs when they represent Donald Trump. Democrats don't have any problem finding jobs when they go after him. But you you
2: said that. He's the most famous attorney. Just remember, at one time, Michael Nifong was the most famous attorney at one time too. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, and uh, who was who was the attorney that uh, went to jail, and I think is still oh that jerk. yeah Michael Avenatti yeah he was also the most famous attorney. Fair enough. Uh, and the lead, uh, probably the the number one witness against Donald Trump, his ex attorney at one point was the most famous. you're right, you're right about that. You are right about that. <laughs> But they notice they do get jobs. I mean, even Donald Trump's ex attorney is now a commentator for what MSNBC or CNN or one of them. They do get their jobs. They do get them. But yeah, Keith, I think that would be the most politically uh, savvy thing for Joe Biden to do. And it would be an interesting. The only thing I'm not sure would it solidify his reelection? I don't know that That I'm, I'm less clear on. But boy, for the next month and a half, that sure would be a sting to the Republican Party or Donald Trump. That sure would sting if he were to pardon him, I think. I think. Yes. I mean, I kind of thought Donald Trump ought to pardon Hillary Clinton, even if there was no no pending prosecution. You can pardon, you know, for all future prosecutions. I thought that would have been a good smart move. You know, she would have owed him more. You know, that would have been a great headline. Joe Biden could do it here. It wouldn't, as I say, matter uh, on this case right now. It would matter on other cases. And it could matter on this case if it is brought into federal court, which it might be. I mean, this thing could get transferred. It is looking to me like it involves a federal question because of the statements Alvin Bragg made in his press conference today about election law. Um, so it could federal election law. So it could theoretically get jacked up to the federal courts. It could, uh, and it certainly could go to the Supreme Court uh, of the United States. Um, so you know, I I'm with you, Keith. But I, uh, I, I they don't have it in them. You're right. They don't have it in them.
2: And the power of prayer is 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 an amazing thing. I'm keeping this man in prayer. God has a purpose for him.
1: Yeah. What do you think he's going to say tonight?
2: I think that he's well. He is going to talk about how this is a sham and so forth. And and he, the one thing that he said when he uh, announced his candidacy, he said, "I am your retribution." Yeah. And I think he's gonna he's gonna double lay down on, on that. that. Again. Yeah.
1: That line might um, that line might have particular resonance on a day like today. He has to be. I don't know. I mean, I can't read facial expressions, and he's obviously not someone who's easy to read. He'd be a great <laughs> poker player, wouldn't he? But it, it looked like there was a little wind taken from his sails today. It, just, it looked like it. I don't know if you saw it as I did. But my, the only thing I can think about what that wind would be is that he has to probably walk a pretty close line lest a gag order be issued. That's the only thing I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. Um, Interesting. He didn't have a statement from New York. You know, he didn't have a statement when he left the courthouse. He's uh, waiting until he's back on his home ground. He may have been told he I mean, he we don't we know he was told to be careful of what he says. So, you know, he's 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 been given a little bit of a line here and a little bit of a leash. But he 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 knows he can't be completely unrestrained. Donald Trump. I think he knows that. His attorneys, if they're any good, are telling him that. All right. Alan Dershowitz coming up. We'll be right back. Alan Dershowitz, welcome back to the Airwaves of Phoenix. Thanks for being with us, and congrats on the book.
0: Thanks. It's always a pleasure to have a former non-student student student (laughs) who I'm very proud of. You do a great,
1: great job. I learned from a colleague and friend of yours, I learned something called the Sixth Amendment. where we're to be informed of the nature and cause of the accusation. I heard Alvin Bragg today say that it was not his duty to explain or tell what that crime, that other crime was that ratchets this up from a misdemeanor to a felony. And I just sit here dumbfounded as to what he thinks he's doing out there in the DA's office. Your sense, sir?
0: Well, he said The law doesn't require him to specify that crime in the indictment, but prosecutors do it all the time. And I think he's a little embarrassed about it, because Mm -hmm. when you read the indictment and the statement of facts, there's just nothing there. Let me tell you what Bragg's theory essentially is. His theory is that When people pay hush money, like Alexander Hamilton did Mm -hmm. uh, when he was the secretary of the treasury, when people pay hush money, as thousands of Americans have done over the years, they immediately have an obligation to disclose in publicly available corporate forms the precise reason why they pay the hush money. So in order not to be indicted, according to Bragg, Trump has to pay the $130,000 secretly and then... Right in his corporate form, the reason I secretly paid this hush money was to prevent my wife, my family, my business associates, and my voters from learning something terrible that I did, namely have an adulterous affair with somebody. Would anybody in the world ever pay hush money if they were obliged by (laughs) D.A. Bragg to then disclose it in corporate forms? That's the essence of the crime
1: here. Professor yesterday I saw you on an interview or heard you on an interview saying something akin to in your 50 years of teaching 60 years or so of practicing you've you've yeah. never seen a case like this never. now that the indictment is out with these 34 counts to it are you any more pellucid on the on the point
0: well, you know, I was kind of hoping. I'm not a Trump supporter. Right. I voted against Trump. I plan to vote against him again. Yep. I was kind of hoping maybe there was a smoking gun. Maybe yep. the American system of justice in New York would be vindicated. Mm-hmm. And there'd really be something here, and it turns out to be weaker than I actually thought. So, no, there's nothing in the indictment. You know, there are a lot of charges. Yep. But when I worked in a deli in the Lower East Side of New York, my boss would always tell me, here's the salami, but slice it thin into as many pieces as possible and will make more money. That's what the prosecutor did. He sliced the salami into 34 pieces. Every charge is a different day, a different invoice, a different... It's the same basic alleged crime. He should have said in his records, this is why I paid hush money to keep everything quiet. Now I have to tell you why I paid to keep everything quiet. That's the essence of this case.
1: We're talking to Alan Dershowitz, his brand-new book, Get Trump, The Threat to Civil Liberties, Due Process, and Our Constitutional Rule of Law. Professor, give me an overview. Give our audience an overview of the culture of law, whether it's in New York or federal or elsewhere. At this point in your book, you talk about the need for civil libertarians, the kind of stuff you've been committed to your whole life, to never defend the angels. You have that great H.L. Mencken quote. But what you will get in response, I think you get this a lot. Trump's different. Trump's different. They don't understand it's that different that is the history of civil liberties, isn't it?
0: It's absolutely right. And I get this from close friends, yeah. from relatives. Yeah, you're right about everybody else. You're right about O. J. Simpson. You right. were right about Klaus Bombier. Right. You were Sixth Amendment, but not Donald Trump. He's right. Hitler. Right. He's Hitler. Would right. you defend Hitler? No, I would assassinate Hitler. I would strangle him with my bare hands. Good. But no, it's, Trump's not Hitler. Trump was elected legitimately. I voted against him, Plan to vote against him again. But as I say in my book, what's worse? Yeah. What's worse? Having Trump as possible president. I don't think he's going to win the next election. But what's worse? That or destroying our Constitution. We, we would survive another presidency of Donald Trump. We may not survive the uh, destruction of all of our constitutional rights in the name of getting Trump. You know, know, the name Get Trump, I didn't, I'm not smart enough to have come up with that (laughs) great title. That title was come up with by the Attorney General of New York, who ran for Attorney General on the promise to get Trump.
1: What is the problem generally that we have been afraid of and worried about? Well, you've been litigating it your whole life, I suppose, uh, your whole legal career. This is the problem of electing prosecutors on a political and partisan and basis. Judges. And, and judge. And yeah, and say judges. a word about that. Would you say a word about it's that? It's the well. worst
0: mistake yeah. American democracy ever made. Yeah. Remember, we weren't founded as a democracy. Right. We were a republic if you can keep it, appointed right. judges. Right. Then along comes Andrew Jackson, and he creates democracy. Um, Essentially. And during the Jacksonian era, we start electing everybody. You want to hear the dumbest thing that any state has ever done? My state of Florida. You elect public defenders. Can you imagine the campaign right. for public defenders right. in a day day I took Witz's oh, to class. Um, my classmates uh, were brilliant. If I win the case, I'll free every murderer, rapist, and robber. Candidate B, duh, I went to Joe's Law School in bait shop. Uh, I cut my classes. I don't know anything. If I'm convicted, every murderer goes to jail. See, electing public defenders? Come on. Democracy has to know its limits. Unfortunately, I know my limits, and I have to be on another show. No so worries, like
1: Professor. It's a delight to get you. No, it's Thank a delight. You no, it's Thank, a delight. You. Thank you, Thank you Professor. <laughs> Author of Get Trump, The Threat to Civil Liberties, Due Process, and... Our constitutional rule of law. That um, that point he's making about the politicalization of the legal process is exactly the point a legal process in and of itself was supposed to stand in the way of. You know the idea that justice is blind lady, lady justice has a blindfold. You know where that comes from? That comes from the Bible. That comes from the warning against recognizing faces in a court of law and using it to do anything but have blindfolded justice, using it anything but to have a a balancing of scales that is equal. And this notion that he is so right about and he writes about in his book, Trump is different. Trump is different. Think about what that precedent means. Think about what that precedent means. The entire Bill of Rights, if not the entire Constitution, was meant to protect the different, the minority. The majorities didn't need protection. The majorities don't need protection. It's about protecting minorities, which is why Robert Jackson, when he was the attorney general under FDR, said when the prosecutor, and I'm quoting him, when the prosecutor picks some person whom he dislikes or desires to embarrass or selects some group of unpopular persons and then looks for an offense... That's the greatest danger of abuse of prosecutorial power. And that's where we are. We have been talking about lawfare for years and years now and the weaponization of law. And we have talked for years and years about what de Tocqueville said in Democracy in America about every political question ends up becoming a legal question. We never thought we would use the criminal law. We never thought we would see the criminal law used for a political purpose like this. Donald Trump will speak tonight. And as I was saying with uh, Keith in Atlanta a little bit earlier, it'll be interesting to hear him uh, just as a study or student of rhetoric. uh, Be interesting to see if um, and watch for the contours in which he speaks. Uh, Will he will he be speaking in a way that keeps and prevents him from having a gag order imposed, and then take the second level of analysis, because I know he's been warned on this. What would it mean to impose a gag order on a presidential candidate, the leading presidential candidate from the opposition party? Hard to get energized about what Putin is doing to a Wall Street Journal journalist who doesn't like him right now when we're doing from prosecution to a political opponent that we don't like. Hard for us to have much moral high ground on a day like today. 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. 602-508-0960 is the number. Uh, Taking your calls and thoughts on... All that has transpired today, and only one big thing has transpired. Um, let's go to Don in Phoenix. Hello, Don.
2: Oh, hi, Seth. Great show. Thank um, you. I was wondering since Trump is also a party to the non disclosure agreement, why he would have to disclose in his business records uh, what the payment was for and all that.
1: Yeah. Right. Go ahead. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, well, and if you remember, uh, Congress had, like, a slush fund where they were paying out non disclosure agreements to interns they had harassed or something, and, like, half of Congress should be in jail for <laughs> using our money to pay right.
1: them off. Right, right. Yeah. Exactly right, yeah. Uh, nondisclosure agreements are fairly traditional, um, and, w- well, fairly traditional in certain areas of life, I suppose. Um, but... Um, but what you had here and what I think Alvin Bragg's theory of the case is here, and I don't think it's going to hold water. I think it goes to your point, Don. Uh, his theory here is that it was illegitimately documented and it was used um, in a way that violates New York. I mean, we'll find out what laws it violates. He's 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 not really told us and he said he didn't have to tell us. Um, He's going to at some point have to tell us. But theoretically, it violated some kind of campaign, New York campaign finance law, which itself says you can't violate a federal finance law. I I, I don't think it's going to hold out. I, I honestly don't think, Don, that this thing survives an appeal. But I also have half a mind to think I don't think it survives its way to trial. I, th- I, think, I think there's an even chance, a fairly even chance that this judge— could dismiss this case before it even goes to trial. I think it could happen. Yeah. I think it could.
2: Well, that would be good. The whole thing stinks. And uh, maybe it's just they're throwing up a trial balloon since they've tried everything else. Now they're going through the criminal courts, you know, with this one and the ones that set up ahead.
1: You know, there's a few judges here and there that that make history uh, for the better. If he were to throw this out, it would be a hell of a signal. It would be a hell of a signal to... um, you know, the Democratic Party or the left wing prosecutors across the country that even Democrat judges and he is a Democrat, even Democrat judges still hold on to a modicum of due process and equal protection and something about a criminal code, something about the use of a grand jury in indictment that still has to make sense, that still has to be clear to not only the defendant, but to the rest of the population as well. I mean, criminal, criminal laws are typically much clearer than civil laws, and there's a reason for that. The penalty is so much the greater. What Alvin Bragg here has used is one of the most abstruse laws that depends upon its attachment to another. Remember, the only reason this is considered a felony The only reason is because it assumes a misdemeanor with the breaking of yet another law. You would think he would have told us what that other law is. He hasn't. That he hasn't tells me even they have the flimsiest of cases on their hands in the prosecutor's office. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602 um, 508 LSU, the NCAA women's basketball team, the Tigers beat the Iowa Hawkeyes 102-85 to on Sunday for the championship, NCAA women's basketball championship. Probably the first and last time you'll hear me utter a sentence like that on this show. But that's what happened on Sunday. Uh, LSU, Louisiana beats Iowa. 102 to 85. So Dr. Jill Biden was in Denver and um, said this. I know we'll have the champions come to the White House. We always do. So we hope LSU will come. But, you know, I'm going to tell Joe, I think Iowa should come, too, because they played such a good game. So we'll have both teams at the White House. Um, (laughs) Angel Reese said it. That's got to be a joke. It's got to be a joke. Um, And won't go if that's the case. Question for Jill Biden. Dr. Jill Biden, I suppose. You know, if we're going to play that game. Joe Biden didn't run a very good campaign in 2020, and Donald Trump ran a pretty good campaign in 2020. But even if you want to say Joe Biden did run a pretty good campaign in 2020, maybe both of them should live at the White House. I mean, what is, is there a better Or a more perfect example in sharp relief of awards for showing up, participation trophies. They played such a good game. They should be there too. I don't even know if they understand how far their wokeness has taken them. It's taken them into such weird corners that this just comes off as, oh, yeah, well, let's have them both. Let's have them both. Why don't they both get golds? Why don't they both get get first place trophies? They might as well. They we might as well. Doctor Jill Biden. I wonder what her grading system is like in her classroom. All right. Enough on that. That and thus concludes our decade. Um, once a decade. Thus concludes our once a decade disquisition on NCAA women's basketball. So, Bill, we're good till. Uh, 2033, I think. John Hinderocker always simplifies things. You can read Alvin Bragg's indictment of Donald Trump and a supporting statement of facts. The indictment is what we expected. It all has to do with paying $130,000 to Stormy Daniels for a nondisclosure agreement, which was legal. The payment was made by, in the indictment, lawyer A. That's Michael Cohen. Trump reimbursed Cohen using Trump's own money, which was also legal. And the 34 counts arise out of the fact that by agreement, Cohen got reimbursed by sending monthly invoices to Trump. So for each monthly bill from Cohen, we get three counts of falsifying documents, one for invoice, one for ledger entry and one for the check stub. That's how we do this. The the indictment alleges that all of this was done, quote, with intent to defraud and intent to commit another crime and aid and conceal the commission thereof, close quote. But it never says what that other crime was. This is my big deal. Alvin Bragg said he wasn't going to tell us. The second crime is mandatory because without it, falsifying a business record under New York law is still a misdemeanor, which is under the statute of limitations. Remember, we all thought this was we all kept saying these were misdemeanors. The only reason it becomes a felony is because the misdemeanor was committed along with another crime, and we don't know what that other crime is. Presumably, the second crime is alleged to be a campaign finance violation. But the payment to Daniels didn't violate campaign finance laws, and this is what's so interesting to me about this. It's so interesting. Donald Trump was a federal candidate. Donald Trump was a federal candidate. Alvin Bragg is either well it's not either he told he, he made mention of today he made mention of it today Alvin Bragg is going to use a state law a state campaign or state election law to go after a federal candidate that's what he's going to have to do if in fact that is the law he is seeing as being breached or broached. Breached. Sorry, breached. If that's the law being breached by the Donald Trump organization, it's telling that he didn't want us to know that today, if that is the law. It's telling he didn't want us to know what the law was that qualifies this as a felony and not a misdemeanor. John Hinderocker concludes, Bragg's statement of facts includes a long narrative about the National Enquirer and a woman other than Mrs. Daniels. But that appears to be just for lurid content as no count of indictment relates to that alleged woman. I think that's McDougal. So nothing surprising happened today, Hinderaka writes. The principal question at this point is which Democrats should Republican prosecutors indict first? That is the question. That is the question. Just as Harry Reid, just as Harry Reid changed the dynamics of the filibuster when his party was in the majority, when the Democrats loved it, and then got angry when Republicans started playing by the same rules that Harry Reid laid down, Democrats are going to be awfully angry if Republican prosecutors start using the brag rule the Bragg process and the Bragg process could go after an awful lot of Democrats who was our last caller who said we could probably get half of Congress on these kinds of things probably could probably could but that's not what prosecutors are for prosecutors are for doing what Alvin Bragg seems not to willing to be willing or wanting or able to do which is making New York City livable, which is making New York City a city people do come and visit and stay, not leave an exodus, a city that doesn't see violent crimes hike by almost 25%. That's what you think of as a prosecutor doing. Most prosecutorial elections I've seen, most county attorney, district attorney races I've seen, they talk about crime. Alvin Bragg didn't. He talked about getting Trump. Well, he fulfilled the campaign promise. He fulfilled the campaign promise. But he also, in so doing, took a scythe to the Fifth and Sixth Amendments of the Constitution. We'll be right back. How do you think the Biden administration is doing with the economy, with the bank failings and possible recession coming, stock market volatility? What if you could invest in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market or the Fed? A portfolio where you know what each monthly statement will look like with no surprises, where your interest is compounded daily, you're paid monthly and there are no fees, where you can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you like, with no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. This is a secure collateralized portfolio I'm talking about, and it delivers a high fixed rate of return. Talk to my friends at Y-Refi. They're local. You can visit with them. I know them very well. Trustworthy, honest. You won't get a sales pitch. YREFI is a due diligence approved firm, and you can earn up to 10.25% rate of return. That's right, a 10.25% fixed rate of return. Just log on to investyrefi.com. That's invest the letter Y, then R-E-F-Y dot com, or call 888 y 34 That's 888-Y-REFI-34. Um, Sidney Blumenthal. Gosh, I thought that name would be gone by now, but he's back. Sidney Blumenthal, Democratic operative, kind of Hillary Clinton's hatchet man at one point. Has a piece say um, saying over at the um, the Guardian that the indictment this indictment will make Trump stronger and Republicans wilder. Be prepared for that kind of talk. Be prepared for the kind of talk that will foist upon the conservative movement or the Republican Party the notion that we are overreacting or we are extremists. Be prepared. I will predict for as much as Joe Biden is saying he has no comment right now, be prepared for him to warn against Republican overreaction, conservatives overreaction. And do note that with the rally today in New York where Marjorie Taylor Greene was prominently featured in the New York Times said she attacked Democrats and protesters, that kind of construction makes you think she literally attacked him. There was no violence. There was no violence. But keep, keep, keep your eyes out and your ears open for that being the Democratic complaint is that Republicans will become extreme. It's like starting the argument in the ninth inning as if that's the first inning. Our reaction is the problem. Our reaction to extremism is the problem. Our extremism, wherever it is and whatever it is, it's not even in the same ballpark of what the Democrats do, never mind the inning. I'm Seth Leapson. We'll be right back.